when you're scaling, you know, it's not just about revenue. (laughs) It's like, it's, it is dependent on all of the other processes and systems you have in place. So, you know, it's funny because a lot of people are like, Ooh, I want to create a course because then I can sell it over and over again. And it's like, okay, then you you have to go sell it over and over again. (laughs) And that's the, well, I created it. You know, it's, it's not. We're, we're not in a, if, if you build it, they will come world anymore because everybody's got a course now and a program. So, you know, to that vein, like you have to be, you have to have systems of marketing consistently, you know, and speaking is a great system for that. Yeah. Networking is a great system. Paid ads, funnels, everybody loves the funnels these days. Yeah. I've built <laughs> Landing a lot of those pages for clients. And, yeah, all of that stuff. Um, but you have to create predictability. I think like yeah. true growth and scale um, comes from creating that. Pre- and, and nobody has, you know, a magic eight ball to tell them exactly what's going to happen at any point in time in their marketing strategy. But you can get pretty darn close when you have processes and systems set in place yeah. and you are continuously optimizing them. Welcome to the Impact Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Cartavera, a leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. We're back here today with episode 74. Our special guest is Leslie Jean Almonte, and she is here today to talk about Get Your Moonshine On, marketing and branding to stand out in a crowded world. Leslie Jean is a creative branding strategist, marketing consultant, and the CEO of, get this, Moonshine Creative Group. She's been in this business and this industry for over 17 years, helping to build and brand multi-million dollar businesses and help her clients build six-figure businesses as speakers, coaches, and consultants. This is her wheelhouse, folks. So get ready to learn more than you ever imagined about marketing, branding, digital marketing, and frankly, just standing out. Podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. Craig and I, have a, a, a super special guest to me. Not many people get super in front of it. They get special. <laughs> and not just because I know Leslie Jean, we've had an opportunity to meet, but she is beyond delightful. She is amazing. She is creative. She is innovative. She is an actionizer. And I, when I first heard about her, I loved her company name because it is Moonshine Creative. I just went, <laughs> Who names her company Moonshine Creative? That just made me smile before I even met her. Somebody that's good at branding who wants to stand out in the crowd. Well, she's found the place. She has found her place. This is what she's been doing the last 17 years, building multi-million dollar businesses and brands and helping her clients do the business of marketing, which just baffles most of us. She knows how to see it clearly. So today we're going to talk about everything, marketing, branding, content marketing, digital marketing. I guarantee you at the end, you're going to have a smile on your face from getting to experience Leslie Jean, and you're going to walk away with some new ideas to grow your business. So welcome, Leslie Jean. 
Yeah, welcome. Thank I already you. have a smile on my face. <laughs> I know. That was an amazing intro. Thank you guys for having me today. I've been really looking forward to this. Yeah. So Leslie Jean, give us a little bit of the backstory. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I get that question a lot, especially with the business name, like why Moonshine? Where did Moonshine come from? So the, the short version, you know, I was um, I was working for a small startup and I was about six months pregnant, picked up on some some interesting things that were going on and voiced my opinion on them to find out I did not have a job the following Monday at six months pregnant. So oh. I got canned for the first time from any job I've ever had in my life. Now, you know, my husband behind the scenes had been saying, go back out on your own. You know, this is your time. And it's funny because a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with, um, there's never really like, oh, I leapt into entrepreneurship like wholeheartedly <laughs> and so excited to do it. Everyone's like, oh, no, I got shoved into this. Like it was my time and the universe just shoved me out there. <laughs> so that was my shove and I needed it. And within a couple, you know, I cried my eyes out that first day because I was just like baffled that I got fired. But I uh, yeah, the like over the next two days, I closed a few projects and Moonshine was born. Uh, the name actually came from a mentor of mine who uh, has a bunch of chalets out in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Mm. Um, and the reason I chose that name, he used to bring moonshine back and we would do big <laughs> company parties with it and stuff. And I always wanted my own version of that moonshine party, I guess. So, um, but the, the thing that really inspired me about this gentleman, his name happens to be Jeff as well, uh, was he just, everything he touched was so intentional, like in business, you know, he had chalets that he was refurbishing in Gatlinburg he did events and theme parties and was always about building stuff and creating these amazing experiences mm. for people. And I'm like, I want that for me. Yes. Like, I don't want to go work for somebody else and all that <laughs> and like do something that feels off or inauthentic to, to what I'm about. So that really inspired me. And I'm like, nope, it's got to be Moonshine Creative Group. Like I'm, I'm finally doing what, what I'm meant to be doing. Awesome. So that's the driving force and the story behind the moonshine. I'm not just a boozy hipster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are that, but just not. Well, maybe a little, maybe a little. <laughs> so one thing I, I loved in there, you actually, your experience you just shared proved a point that I've made over the years, which is questions. When we ask people questions, it allows them to reveal themselves to us. Yeah. And so your true. questions Definitely. revealed, you know, they fired you, but basically they revealed themselves as a result of your question. Oh, and, totally. Right? And amen to that. Like it was the, the best thing, best questions I ever asked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. In hindsight, you know. That's I asked exactly some questions right. like that when I first started working at a company and uh, I'm surprised that they didn't fire me. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you know, you say that these are the values of the company, the core values and your number three person He's just not living up to those. I mean, this is like within the first two weeks of being there. Idiocy. Ooh. I was there for 11 years. <laughs> oh, there you go. So and then they, they funded it for startup. That's awesome. Out. Yeah. So Leslie Jean, I, you, this is your realm and you work in the branding marketing space. Yeah. And it's such a, it's really, I think a very confusing space really, <laughs> because those terms you ask people, you ask 10 people what they all mean. You're going to get 10 different answers. Yeah. And right now, over the last 10 or 20 years, I think there's a new phrase that's in vogue, which is personal branding. 
-hmm. and we got digital marketing and traditional marketing. So simplify it to us. You've got a couple of minutes. Just give it's us the awesome. answer so we yeah. can get on with there it. Is, the answer is there is no answer. Everything <laughs> changes every day. Um, you know, there's always a new hot buzzword and a new hot hack or a new algorithm trick or something out there. But, you know, I think the, the, the thing that I love about the marketing space is, we, and that goes for leadership too, is, is you're forever learning. Yes. <laughs> it's like a love hate relationship, but you know, I, I, I really am passionate about learning and I just, I, I'm very uh, inquisitive about everything and I love making things work. And the second something doesn't work, I'm on to the next thing to figure out how can I solve this next problem, whether it's within marketing or communications, or if it's in, you know, a social media setting with algorithms and engagement and trying to figure out what's going to pop off. So I don't think, you know, it, it's not really new marketing versus old marketing. Um, I think the way marketing has evolved more than ever is people want good content. The old stuff, and if, if I was to call it the old stuff, um, was more of like the sales pitch, like that hard sales pitch. We used to be able to get away with that in email marketing, Yeah, you know, and, and, and now people aren't connecting to that. They're like, this is crap. This is a bot. Like they can identify, they can smell a bot from a mile away, but not because it's a bot, but because it's a bad message. They can yeah. smell your intentions <laughs> through those bad messages. Well, you used a really key word earlier. You said you didn't want to work for somebody and be inauthentic. And I think that authenticity is one of those key things that comes out. And you kind of alluded to this here because the old way of marketing is, hey, you know, buy this. Hey, you know, we have this, this time pressure and fear-based and everything else, rather than just being really genuine with somebody and saying, look, you know, I have this thing. If you're looking for this kind of outcome, this is something that can help you, you know, I, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the authenticity, I think, is something that I've seen really coming into the people who do it best. I, yeah, I totally agree. And I also think it's, it's about serving. So when you're like, nobody wants yes. to be sold to everybody right. likes gifts. Everybody, everybody likes, likes to buy. <laughs> <laughs> everybody loves to buy, but we don't want to be sold to. We That's don't want right. to be told what to do. You know, we, but we love good content and we love feeling understood and we love yeah. being related to. So as a brand or a business, if we can connect with our audience in that way and say, Hey, we understand you we get you, here's content that will help you in some way, brighten your day, engage with you, empower you, entertain you. They're yeah. more likely to, you know, you're gonna establish that no like and trust factor mm -hmm. with your clients by doing that. And then they'll choose to buy because they, they like you, they know like and trust you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the bots because that is, you know, if, if I had a, magic wand right now. I think the first thing, if you said, Jeff, you can solve any issue in the world. Uh, yeah, I would go with some <laughs> of the usual suspects I would deal with. First of all, I would wipe out any issues relating to the election in this country. I would wipe <laughs> out all our divisiveness. I would wipe out our social justice issues and, and, and all our different issues around uh, differences. And world hunger, world hunger and the usual suspects. Which once we got through the big stuff, the first <laughs> thing I would do is eliminate, frankly, the people. They don't have to die. They just have to get off of LinkedIn, <laughs> the people and their bots, because I just, I just get these every day. And I think 
who does this work on? Are there, I'm going to just use the word, are there idiots that no, this actually I'm, works? I, so I always say this phrase, I like big bots and I cannot lie because I do <laughs> like bots and I use bots and I think they're great as long as you're, you're serving people with intention. And I do get pushback sometimes, like I can tell you're using a bot and it's an authentic message though. And I've carefully curated lists that my bot reaches out to by looking at profiles one by one and saying this person could, you know, I think would be a good candidate to receive this message. I'm just automating a task I would do manually. Well, I so, don't have an issue with the bot. Yeah. I have an issue with the message. Like someone oh, yesterday did it and the message was not as egregious as many. It wasn't a sales pitch, but what it said was, cause you know, they reached out to connect to me. I hit yes. I'm thinking there was a part of me that said, I don't think I'm going to get hit hard too fast. Within 30 <laughs> seconds, here comes the message that says, <laughs> I'm deeply intrigued by your profile. Whoa. So if that had been sent a half hour later, I actually wouldn't have heard that it. That might have been legitimate. But to get it as a bot, I go, no, you're not. Because everybody else that connected with you got that message. Mm -hmm. You just told me that because it was a bot and because the message was to me uh, faux authentic. Yeah. Yeah, that's super annoying. I agree. Authentic. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Leslie Jane. I think you have a unique perspective here that people don't think about. A lot of us have different views of marketing. And when you were talking about the old way, I flashed to Mad Men. You know, I, I, <laughs> I mean, the sh not only the show, but, you know, the way they worked up ads. But if I'm right, knowing your business market and your target clients, you work with small entrepreneurial businesses. You're not working with companies with huge budgets to say, here's a million or 10 or a hundred million dollars, go create all this. You're working in a much more financial, smaller pool of space. Talk about how do businesses, how should they look at their marketing and branding when they are startups and these smaller businesses? So I feel like, and that's a great question. And I've seen both sides of the coin. You know, I've worked for the billion dollar companies with, with massive budgets for marketing. And, you know, I, my perspective, and maybe I'm a little jaded, <laughs> no. but from, from there to seeing smart, small business and startups and stuff like a shoestring budget, you have to be a lot more creative. And that's where I light up. Like that's what really excites me and, and why I like the small business space because you don't have a, like, you can't just plaster the message everywhere. You have to be really intentional and really hit the mark to make a big impact. And that requires a lot of creativity and it could be visually with a message, um, you know, in a lot of different ways. But I think that's the major difference is you're forced to really push past those boundaries and find your authentic voice in that space. You really can't just kind of leave it to marketing to the masses because you can't market to the masses as much as the big boys. Um, a, such a good point because I think when we get creative and we we really get down into our hearts and we're, we're going from that place of authenticity and, and of actually caring about our customers, like you were saying, serving mm -hmm. them, then, then we get into this place where, yes, we can, we can have a really tiny niche, but just own that niche versus trying to go out into mass market and paying you know, 10, 15, $20 per click, you know, we can get down into sub a dollar per click for the right mm -hmm. kind of message and the right targeting. 
Well, and I think it goes beyond the click too. It's, it's, yeah. you know, circling back in time to guerrilla marketing and getting creative <laughs> beyond the screen. Like how can some... we, okay, the big guys are doing it this way, but how can we add a similar level of value in a different way? You know, what, what kind of like a lot, um, I've worked with quite a few organizations recently on virtual events mm -hmm. and how did they add value in virtual conferences? How do we pivot, you know, from this in-person experience where, you know, and, and one of the, the clients that I work with pretty frequently and pretty closely, they're a nonprofit. Um, it's the National Drowning Prevention Alliance. So for them, yeah. their conference, you know, a lot of people are hugging and they're together. How do we recreate that experience, you know, in a virtual setting, you know, and offer that same support for the, you know, the families of drowning, you know, victims and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, and, and again, it's a nonprofit. So how do we strategically do this without billion dollar budgets yeah. and, and give them that same value? And there's, there's a lot that we can, can be done around it. And I think they've done a really excellent job and their, you know, their upcoming event this year is going to be pretty phenomenal. <laughs> so how have you solved virtual hugs? So virtual, that's a tricky one. <laughs> you can send a teddy bear. No. Yeah. There you go. All right. That that's a good idea. Solved. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I've been playing around with different ideas for virtual holiday parties. Mm -hmm. um, and what's pretty cool, you know, my, my client base has been scattered across the country and in, in different countries as well. But um, so it's been hard to get everyone together. And me being the celebratory spirit that I am, yeah. I'm like, how do we have a, like a, a party? with people all over the place, you know, and now I'm like, Ooh, virtual holiday party. What can we do? You know, and I've, I've talked to quite a few colleagues and what they've been looking at is, you know, happy hour gift sets and just something that's mailed and personalized, not just the visual, but also engagement. What people are lacking in the virtual environment these days is, is all you see is a talking head. They're, they're exhausted by talking heads. That's all we look at all day. But if we can create an engaging environment where they can make a meaningful connection, laugh and be entertained, that's adding to the value of the experience in a bigger way. Wow, so, sounds like they need to be doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, so things like they're doing virtual escape rooms. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, my husband has a, uh, he owns a photo booth company and it was interesting, our, the photo booth software supplier that we work with, when, when COVID shut a lot of things down, I was like, man, I really hope they go virtual with the photo booth software because we could use this in some of the events. And now, you know, Zoom is jumping on the bandwagon with some filters and things like that, but they did end up pivoting to virtual. So there's ways you can enhance experiences using a lot of tools that got modified as a result of COVID. I think it's really interesting. Wow you know, through adversity, all of this creativity that has come out of it. <laughs> yeah. So, so Leslie Jean, I, I want to talk, keep going down this road, but there's a question I think that usually gets left to the end that I'm going to bring in here. Cause I know for me as a small business owner, I, it's been my challenge and I know a lot of others and I want to talk about money, but really what I want to talk about the conversation about money. Cause this is how it usually goes for me. I sit down with someone like you, certainly mm -hmm. not you. I sit down with someone like you and we talk about different things to do. And invariably they say, what's your budget? Mm -hmm. And usually I say, I don't have a budget. And, they'll, and I think there's like almost this distrust of, 
I don't want to tell them. But the truth is, I have no idea because I have never done it before. I have no idea what it is. So I'm, I really would like to hear from you. How do you approach that topic with clients who, they, by definition, they probably have no idea how to even understand the value, let alone you know how it fits in the pricing model? Yeah, and that's a great, great question. Um, so for me, it's like a balancing act. And I love asking that question. I'm not scared to ask the question, you know, from a sales perspective, these are things we have to ask our prospects to move forward. So when I ask that and people say, I don't know, or I don't have one, um, it's like, okay, well, let's start with what the value of what you're selling is. Because in order to come up with a plan and strategically figure out which marketing channel to put you on, how to market, is ads a good fit for you today? and all of that and how much we can invest into it. We need to figure out what you're charging and what the return is gonna be. So by understanding you know, the value of their products and then helping them understand marketing plays into the value of their products too. So if they haven't accounted for sales and marketing efforts in their bottom line of what they're charging, that needs to be reevaluated into the pricing as well. So then we just, we have a conversation about that and we hash it out. <laughs> Would you say that's typical? It's typical that they've not even thought about the sales and marketing cost in their product or service? Yes, that's very typical. <laughs> okay, so how do you, so you, so how do yes. you educate them on that? Because they have never thought about it, but what's that process look like? Yeah, so it's, it's looking at the whole model and how it all ties together. So it's looking at like, all right, well, do you have your, and in some cases, some of the, you know, the startups that I've talked to, they may not even have their rent factored in, or they're like, I want an office and five employees. And I'm like, okay, well, how does that impact your bottom line and what you're charging? Um, so it's really taking a look, you know, and I don't deep dive into a lot of that because I'm not a consultant in that capacity, but I do surface level, give them some guidance and give them some resources like CPAs and financial advisors to help them really shape this up the right way. Um, you know, and it's funny because I rely heavily on my team for that stuff. I'm definitely not the financial guru. I'm the creative. I'm what, you know, the other side of the brain friend. But, um, but yeah, but you do need to account for that stuff when you're creating your cost structure and, and what you're charging. Because um, you can quickly find out you're in the red on every ad campaign. Um, and, and that can happen like that. So. So talk to us. So I really appreciate that. I think that's helpful to a lot of people because I think people, I know for me, I've been doing this a long time and in different businesses, they can be intimidating conversation, especially when you don't know, you know, you don't really understand the other side, which who would. And I think sometimes business owners take it upon themselves to try and become experts. I'm not frankly a fan of that because to me, <laughs> me if I'm, I'm, I'm an expert at what I deliver. And if I take time to become an expert in something that's external to that, to me, that's not the best use of my time. And I, I tend to look at it relationally and as, from a pragmatic level. And, and I really appreciate your approach of let's talk about, like, I love that idea of how does this cost of sales and marketing fit into what you charge? Yeah. You know, you could literally have a pricing on your product or service that says it doesn't even make sense. The model doesn't even make sense. Because in order to do this, you know, you're basically going to have your, what you thought was a margin of 70% is really 12%. Well, that's where you have a lot of people who have the direct sales force 
And that's a very costly way of doing things. So if you, if you have that and you have a low price product, that doesn't work well together. Whereas if you have a very high price product, which requires some customization and some consulting around that, you know, that's a much better use of that direct sales force. But then, you know, flip the model for the folks who are coming in on, on the, the inbound marketing method. And now those prices can come way down, but still a lot of people are probably pricing them too low just to get people in the door. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of times too. So, you know, I work with a lot of speakers and coaches and consultants that are in a time for money space. Right. And it's, especially when you're starting out, it's really hard to assign a value to your own worth without some outside support. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, how much am I worth an hour? And that's usually where people start. But then it's like, no, how much is, the whole model of my business system worth, right. you know, how I attract people is part of my model of service mm -hmm. and how I reach out. Like I'm trying to attract people the best way and the people that need my help the most. Yeah. So when, when you come from that perspective, it's a little bit different. It's like, okay, you're making a difference in their lives that costs money for you to find them, <laughs> you right. know, and that's part of your value too. But also, how you deliver that, the software, the tools, you know, it, it's hard to just look at a laptop and see like, <laughs> okay, this month I have $3,000 in subscriptions <laughs> alone and then say I'm worth $50 an hour. Like that doesn't make, <laughs> you know, like, and it's, you'd be surprised, you know, a lot of people don't take that into consideration, you know, cause it's all packaged into a nice little laptop box. Sure. <laughs> but when you take that that membership model and the recurring model and you say, okay, mm -hmm. well, I could scale this up to a thousand people and still still not do any additional work. Okay, now your value is much, much higher on a per per hour basis. Exactly. And you can help more people that way right. too. So it's there's different ways to tier your time, you know, and, and start I think there's a, an interesting process in the coaching and consulting space too, because when you're starting out you know, you, you have, you might have a 20 year career, you know, in this space, mm -hmm. but until you really work through your methodology with several clients, and it could be a, a couple of years of doing that to really get it down and, and develop your own framework, it's really hard to put that to a group method. It's really difficult to put that, you know, you have to be in the trenches learning your own process and feeling it out. It's part of, you know, your own personal transformation as a solopreneur. Yeah. But I think it's a beautiful process. I've enjoyed it personally. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> I geek out over that stuff. <laughs> Leslie Jean, let's talk about branding for a minute. That, that word, that concept. I know I've been in this space before and I hear this a lot from coaches, consultants, et cetera. They'll say something like, I need this product. That's the mindset. I need a product, I need a website. I need a video. I need some strategies, but I don't really need a brand. I'm not big enough for a brand or I'm the brand. So I don't really need a brand. I'm the brand. Talk to what branding means for these types of clients, because I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to say everybody needs a brand. So, yeah, and it really just boils down to what you think a brand is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about a brand like a, a, a tube of toothpaste on a shelf. You know, everybody needs visual representation that evokes an emotion, a feeling, an experience. I think the latest stat that I read 
within 90 seconds of experiencing an environment, person, or product, we pass a subconscious judgment. Yep. It's crazy like that. It just happened. It's subconscious too. Like how crazy is that? We can't even control ourselves. <laughs> um, so with that, you know, it's, it's challenging for people to, it's challenging for people to identify with that and say, okay, I need to put a visual assignment to myself as a person, like a logo, but it goes beyond the logo. Your brand isn't just the logo. It's, it's your message. Yep. It's how you're piecing words together and communicating what you deliver and how you problem solve for your customers. It's also how you, I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's also how you make somebody feel. It's it's the customer journey that you take them through as well. That's exactly. And, and showing them how you fit into that journey. So branding is more of a big picture thing. So people say, I don't need a brand. I am my brand. Like my my photo is my brand. That's not, it's so much more than that. And how, yes. how you dress in that photo is part yes. of it. It's how you make it memorable. It's so when people see you again, they have that same positive experience again. Yep. And that it's consistent across the board and you set some standards for it because as you if you plan on growing you're going to have a team or support staff or vendors and you need to articulate that same you know package of what you of who you are what you are you know your voice and everything to those vendors to support you yep and if you're if your brand is you you don't have something that's saleable and if you look at building your business, your business is your biggest asset. That's your product. Right. Yep. Yep. When you are the product, you can't sell it. <laughs> but if you develop something that, you know, you can, and you can, you can be a product, you definitely can, but you don't want to be stuck in that time for money racket. Yeah. You know, and that's why people I think do create, you know, e-products and community. And a lot of people enter into it for different reasons, whether it's additional revenue streams or, or legacy building, or, yeah. you know, in, in my case, it's happened out of necessity because I, I needed a cloning machine and a course is the way I can clone <laughs> myself, <That's a laughs> you know? Really good point. Yeah. Well, but, but let's look at your clientele though, because I would say for your clientele, the reality is, unless they do something dramatic, and I mean dramatically, massively disruptive differently, those industries are never going to be sellable businesses. They so can be terms, leveraged with digital and different products, leveraging their time. But you look across the space, at least in this country, which is where you see such a proliferation of coaches and speakers, it's probably less than 1%, maybe less than half of 1% that create sellable enterprises. Yeah. That's, that's true. I think it's evolving, though. You know, I've seen a lot of evolution in that space, I think, because people do see, hey, maybe this isn't something I want to do for the rest of my life. How do I scale it? How am I even able to step away if I want to? And that's what that it's a scary concept of, OK, what am I building? What I'm building has no end, right. <laughs> you know, so more people in the, the thought leader space um, are creating things like instructor manuals for their programs. They're doing facilitator trainings and licensing. Um, so it's not necessarily about them. You know, it's about the methodology. So right. the evolution I've seen in the thought leader space or in coaching and consulting is when someone really 
like rocks a methodology and has a system that's working, you know, and the demand is there, they have to like organically, they start scaling. That's John Maxwell. Yep. Yep, exactly. So that that model of white labeling and or maybe not even white labeling, but just licensing the usage of their platform and how they teach and all of their methodologies, that's becoming very popular. But let's look at that question, though. John Maxwell is a good example, because in saying John Maxwell is an example, that's saying that he's not the brand, but he is the brand. He's not it's not dependent on him as the brand. But those coaches who license his programs, they license it because of the John Maxwell name. They don't say exactly. this is the greatest coaching program in the world. So the, I, what I know about John Maxwell is when he started creating that enterprise and built that out, he was a brand at that point. Mm-hmm. And so he did take a methodology that was transferable. But without that brand, that enterprise is nothing. Similar yeah. to uh, Gazelle's. Right. I don't know if you know Gazelle's, which is... Um, Vern Harnish, who wrote Rockefeller yeah. Habits, he created the same model. You know, he's got a fantastic book, a couple of books scaling up. Yep. He had a methodology. Now he's the front, he's still the front guy though. I mean, pre-COVID, he was still, you know, jet setting around the world, getting 50 or a hundred grand to go speak. That was his income. But the bottom line is this company with all these coaches and licensed programs. So I think speak to that question of like, which comes first? I think it just depends on where you decide to start. I mean, if if you are really focused on building out your brand from the beginning, it's obviously going to be a lot easier. The brand is your foundation mm-hmm. to every bit of communication you're going to put out there. It's it's the foundation to your social media strategy. It's the foundation to your sales calls. It's the foundation to everything you communicate, how you dress, how you show up for your customers, how your office looks. It's It's all of that. Everything hinges on the brand foundation. And without a solid foundation, like I always relate this to, you know, if you're building a house and you want to have a big Christmas party, it doesn't matter how many invitations you send out. If you don't have a foundation there, the, the house isn't going to be supported and no one's coming to your party. <laughs> no? It's a good analogy. Yeah. So, what, so here's, a, let me use a real life example. I'd love to get your feedback. He's not here, but so Craig and I both know a gentleman by the name of Dave Rendell. Dave is a, is, a, is a very successful speaker by all accounts. He definitely has a brand. Uh, his book was called um, Freak Factor. And anywhere and everywhere that you see Dave, it is all about pink. pink. So he has branded pink. <laughs> pink, he, pink. Is, pink. He wears pink suits. He wears pink tennis shoes, pink glasses. So he's branded the color pink, and it's all about doing the opposite. You know, you, you got to be disruptive. Uh, and I would say that he's got a good brand in that sense. Most people have never heard of Dave Rendell. Mm-hmm. However, he has a very, well, pre-COVID, he had a very lucrative speaking business, but it was not a sellable business in any way because there were no products other than books. There were no systems. There was no methodology. He's a speaker. And so he has a brand, but he doesn't have a company brand. So mm-hmm. talk about that difference, especially in the types of businesses you work with, because that's exactly who you work with. Yeah. So and that's a really good point. And I think that applies not just to speakers, but to any business model. You know, you have to diversify and or even just personal finance. You have to diversify your income streams, <laughs> you know, or your investments, if you want to put it that way. But diversifying your products and services and your offerings is really important. You can't just rely on one. 
because we've all encountered this with COVID, it could be knocked off its pedestal. Um, So having different streams and different channels and different products is a really smart way. Now, it's not the easiest thing to build out, but you, you have to work towards it. You have to work towards building a business model if you're looking to be successful. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. The Impact Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Cartavera. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, resources, events, and a community to help you grow. At Cartavera, we believe that you can't grow a business bigger than you, that your company is limited by your growth. We blend personal growth with leadership, team, and business growth to give you a single place to grow your people, grow your business, and grow your life. You can find out more at cartavera.com. Welcome back. One of my mentors, uh, T. T. Harvecker, he he says the the headaches are in the front end and the the money's in the back end. You know, so getting the customers in initially is is the hardest part. But if you continue to serve them and escalate them into higher and higher levels of you know the product or services that you're selling, then you're going to be able to make much more money down the road and serve them better. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, I, that the reason I brought up Dave is I think he's an unusual example, but maybe sometimes we can learn from He's that. unusual, right? <laughs> well, he is, but his business is unusual until, like, if you asked him, I'm in a speaker mastermind with him, and he would typically say, yeah, I don't do any marketing. And he doesn't. He does none. He has a website that is as simple as you could possibly imagine. Say, well, let's see your speaker video. I don't have one. I just, I just threw up a video of me that's me talking for an hour, and the phone rings and people refer him. <laughs> and, and he, and you know, That's lots of money flows in, <laughs> but it's still dependent on him. You know, if he, something happened to him, he is working on some things now beyond books that he can monetize outside and, and, you know, leverage his time. But I mean, you know, I'd have to agree with Dave for what he was seeking to achieve. He frankly didn't need to do any marketing. It was frustrating for us. <laughs> on our social media he goes, yeah, I don't do any of that stuff. I put stuff on LinkedIn every once in a while, but it doesn't matter. Because I still, you know, I still make X dollars a year just by being me. Well, that's great. But if something happens, God forbid, and, you know, with COVID and everything, you know, if we are the only product as, you know, thought leaders or speakers or coaches, if we are the only product, you have to be prepared for what if happened, what happens if I cannot what, what happens if I get sick? What happens if I end right. up in the hospital or get in an accident and I can't take those regular calls? You yep. know, what's your backup plan there? <clears throat> so having that's that's another bonus of having, you know, continuity products that can continue <laughs> you through your business when right. when you can't continue or what happens if you just need a break? <laughs> you know, like that's a really good point. I'm feeling that button right now. <laughs> so is that part of what you do with your clients, Leslie Jean? Because you certainly help them with branding and all of that. But do you help them develop these products, whether the actual d- creation of them or the strategy of them or both? Yeah. You know, what do you Absolutely. bring to the table? So, you know, and that's kind of like <laughs> consulting has been my catch all <laughs> phrase <laughs> for that type of thing. So in a, it's, it's almost like a coaching ma- model where we'll hop on calls once a week. And it's like, what are you hoping to accomplish? What other revenue streams do you want to create? What needs do you see with your market? And we'll identify, okay, like this program could really 
um, bonus, you know, with a workbook that's a sales tool, or I authored this book, but having a workbook toolkit to go with it would be a really nice product that I could include and package with my speaking engagement. So it's not just like additional products that can be recurring revenue streams, but it's also, you know, enhancing the value of what you're already doing. You know, so if you go and speak and they're just paying you to keynote, you're also like, well, you know, I've authored a book and I've got this workbook and an online course I can bundle up for everybody in the audience for this much more. <laughs> you know, then you're extending the same amount of effort, same amount of effort, but yep. you're adding more value and offering more products and services and offering more value to the audience. So you're able to take in more, more income as a result. Yeah. Scalability is a huge deal. And I think, you know, there's, there's a really good book by John Warlock called The Automatic Customer, talking about the recurring revenue and, and the things that we can get from that. But if we're looking at the thought leaders and what they do, you know, there's, there's coaching, there's consulting. But if you look at group coaching or group consulting, where mm -hmm. you're basically getting multiple people in for that same hour or two, then you have some scalability in your business that allows you to to make more money per hour spent, um, but also serve more people because now you can reduce the price of what you're offering. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great model. <laughs> well, and, let, and, and, and to that point, Leslie Jean, let's talk for a minute about, and I'm going to just use a couple different words here to describe what you talked about, Craig, because I might call what you just said more leverage than scalability. Because what you described, that what you described did not take that person out of the equation. If it's me, it just means I'm leveraging my time. I can probably make more per hour and all those things, but it's still dependent on me. The business isn't scalable. Well, but you can, you can bring in other coaches, consultants, because there may be areas that somebody is wanting to work on that don't require just you. So I can bring oh. in an expert on you know this this particular aspect versus what I serve in, and it still adds value to them because I know that I'm bringing somebody else that's going to mesh with what it is that I'm serving. Oh, I agree completely, but I, that's why I want to differentiate it because okay, people yeah. might hear this and say, "Oh, if I start doing group stuff, I'm scaling my business." No, I'd say you're leveraging your time and right. you're creating other revenue streams. But in order to really scale your business, you've got to get the deliverables that are not dependent on you at all ultimately are much less dependent so it, is it means process sized is it a, you know there's lots of ways to do it i think it's because people i hear this all the time is i just want to scale my business well, what are you doing i'm out doing a marketing campaign to get more clients yeah it depends what you mean by scale then it, at that point what i'm looking at is if you're if you're saying scale i want to go from a hundred thousand a year to a million a year to 10 million a year or something like that we're, we're 10xing the business okay what does it require to do that and what's the infrastructure? So if I'm saying scaling, if I can use the same amount of hours to get those other things, what, what else do I have to have? I probably need to start bringing in support team members. I probably need to start thinking about some different ways to have automatic lead generation coming in and some things like that. What are your thoughts, Leslie Jean? No, I totally agree with all of that. Like it's, when you're scaling, you know, it's not just about revenue. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it is dependent on all of the other processes and systems you have in place. So, you know, it's funny because a lot of people are like, Ooh, I want to create a course because then I can sell it over and over again. And it's like, okay, you can. then you, you have to go sell it over and over again. <laughs> and that's the, well, I created it. 
you know, it's, it's yeah. not, we're, we're not in a, if, if you build it, they will come world anymore because everybody's got a course now and a program. So, you know, to that vein, like you have to be, you have to have systems of marketing consistently, you know, and speaking is a great system for that. Yeah. Networking is a great system, paid ads, funnels. Everybody loves the funnels these days. Yep. <laughs> Landing pages and yeah, all of that stuff. Um, but you have to create predictability. I think like yeah. true growth and scale um, comes from creating that. Pre and, and nobody has, you know, a magic eight ball to tell them exactly what's going to happen at any point in time in their marketing strategy. But you can get pretty darn close when you have processes and systems set in place. Yeah. And you're continuously optimizing them. Good point. Well, Leslie Jean, you hit on a really, I think, critical topic, especially right now. I mean, I love what you said because I've fallen victim to it as well. All I have to do is create this thing that I can sell without giving enough thought to not only how do I sell it, but maybe I need to think about how I sell it when I create it, not yes. just create it and then figure out the marketing around it, number one. Mm -hmm. But also we're in, a, I think what's happened due to COVID, well, I know this has happened during COVID, there has been an explosion of mm. coaches and consultants. Oh yeah. There has been an explosion <laughs> of online content. There has been an explosion of, you know, all these so-called thought leaders who are pumping stuff out, webinars, whatever it is. So have you started to deal with that with your clients of how do they navigate and market differently because the ocean got bigger. Yeah. And I mean, I think my approach, like I love backdoor marketing. Like that's, that's kind of my phrase for it. Like I never go for the big sell. Like don't come buy this. Like I would never run an ad to go buy a $1,500 course. It's just not like it, it's really expensive to do it, first of all. And second of all, it's not as effective, <laughs> you know? So, but if, but I would gladly run an ad or an email marketing series to, you know, book myself for speaking engagements or book one of my clients for speaking engagements to talk about the course that they're selling. You know, if they, cause that's gonna get them in front of more audiences a lot faster. Yeah. You know, now with speaking, even if it's in a virtual environment, there's still audiences out there. Right. So finding those little backdoor hacks, I think has been, for me, the most fun <laughs> yeah. and the most, that's like one of those creative, like shoestring budget strategies I try to focus on a lot is just finding those backdoor things, whether it's to a masterclass that's free or, you know, you've seen those tripwire sales yep. funnels, they work. I do think they have a shelf life though, because yeah. people are smart, just like the old school email marketing campaigns were buy this and they click and book a call. Like people are too smart now. They've seen it a million times. Once we've seen these tripwire funnels a million times, it's gonna have to change. See, but the pattern I'm a, seeing is always reverts back to the authentic. Yep. So if it really truly connects with that person, I think that that's where the marketing gold sits is if you, you are genuine about your message and how right. to help people, it's gonna stick. If you're just following the next trendy tripwire funnel, you know, there's a shelf life. Go be successful with it while it's hot, but it does have a shelf life. Prepare, you know? So you think when you, when you say shelf life, you're talking about kind of a, a cultural self, a shelf life, not, not just for their funnels, but for all a, sales. A technology 
like a, a technology shelf life too. So people, people get wise to just like the bots. Everybody has bot fatigue. <laughs> you know, when it first started, it was like, oh, wow, this is, this person's messaging me. Wow. They're really on it. And it's so exciting. Like they want to connect with me. Now it's like 30 people messaged me when I accepted their request and sent me 10 messages at two in the morning. That's so bizarre. So I'm going to no. rant a little bit. I, I think that, you know, people do these webinars and they're fake webinars. They're not real webinars. They're videos that are set up oh, in a, gosh. in a, <laughs> an evergreen webinar funnel. And it drives me nuts just thinking, okay, if you're going to be inauthentic about that, calling it a live webinar and faking us, you know, fake. Yeah. Oh, um, hi Tim attendees. in the chat. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, okay, <laughs> really? Okay. We can get over that. Just call it a masterclass and forget that fake delay and the, the fake people in there and everything else. And that's, that's what I've actually been encouraging, you know, my clients to do. And they're seeing a, a, you know, the show up rate between, you know, 40% drop off with the, the evergreen webinar to hundred percent show up on a masterclass. It's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, that's exactly to the point of it's authentic. You're not, yeah. you're not like nobody wants to be tricked. Like, right. why would you, how would you even start a client relationship by being like, hey, we're live. Hey, Tim. Hey, Sarah. Oh, I see you in the chat. And it's all BS. But the like thing is, but that's the difference. It's not a relationship. It's a transaction. The people mm -hmm. who are transactional are like, okay, how can I get the most money right now? I don't care how much value I give to somebody else. Right. Okay. Versus I'm in it for the long term. I want to engage with these people. I want to really serve them. And this is what I'm going to do to do that. Well, there's so much value in starting out with live too. I think yes. there's so much learning that happens. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, yes. would you auto record a sales call? <laughs> and yet we're willing to do it with our master classes and our, our right. webinars and, and try to trick people in that way. Like you want that client feedback and every client has a unique question. Yeah. Every call has like a unique group of people that brings to the table like different different insight that you can learn from in your process too. So I think there's a lot of value in keeping things live. Um, yeah. You know, even if it's in a virtual setting, but there's, and from that, there are opportunities to automate. Yes. But unless you're doing that learning component first, the automation probably isn't going to be as good as it could get. Yeah. That's really good point. And I think that's where we look at webinars. Jeff and I have done a lot of different webinars over the you know, last year. And we just see that that feedback that comes back is, you know, here are the questions that they're asking. This is this is the stuff that maybe they didn't uh, get from what we were talking about, or this is what really resonated with them. You're absolutely right. Well, but you know, within that space, we've all experienced it as well. It's back one of those frustrations of mine. I've been on the live events. They're live and they are a waste of my hour of my time because they say it's going to be this webinar. And yeah, by the way, at the end, we'll talk about this other thing. But the truth is in an hour, they deliver about eight minutes of content. Yeah, I'm not underestimating or exaggerating. The rest is all the pre-sell and the setup. And yeah, those couple points were decent, but the whole thing was a sales pitch. Yeah. And like, I will never do, I don't care what you tell me or promise me at that point, because for me, I feel misled. Right. I mean, I feel like lied to, but I often wonder, maybe I'm just an aberration and a lot of people still do this apparently because I see them getting success, but I will, I will never choose to do business that no. way. 
that that's out of integrity for me. Absolutely. Um, totally agree. So I think there's so, an important, go ahead. I got to ask you guys a vulnerable question since you guys work in this space. Yeah. Do you, okay. So this is my, one of my guilty pleasures is watching <laughs> webinars, like signing up and opting in and going through their funnels to kind of see how they're structuring stuff. If something catches my eye. Yeah. Do you guys do that too? Uh, no? Yeah. I, I, I look at a lot of other people's stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I don't. now when I watch a webinar though, like I'm like, Oh, this is a Russell Brunson formula. Like I can like <laughs> live from a mile yep. away. I'm like, oh, here we go. Now Jeff we're going to talk about you. Yeah, or Jeff Walker <laughs> launched. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so, no, like, that's I Ask can... Method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like it's it's gotten so formulaed. Like, oh, now they're going to tell us their backstory. Now they're going to, oh, let's bring on a customer testimonial. Yeah. Like it feels too, it, like, and at the end of the day, you know, I, I work with a speaking coach. Um, she's my coach. And she, uh, she always told me, you know, nobody really cares about you. Right. Right. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, okay. Cause I, <laughs> at the certain? beginning of my talk, I was like, oh, I got to validate who I am. And then she's like, they already hired you. You don't need to validate. Everybody cares you about are. you. Leslie Jean. Nobody cares. I was like, oh yeah. And you know what? It felt better going into my talk, just talking about the content that I'm really passionate about versus telling everybody like it's kind of awkward to talk about yourself it i mean tell me if you guys agree <laughs> no? no i don't usually have a problem with that <laughs> oh yes you do i do what she just described absolutely if you said go up in front of that group and for the next five minutes tell them how all the amazing things you've done in your life you'd go you great I'll do on it. yourself for 10 minutes <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't i'd say i don't want i don't need to tell you anything about me let me just share what i brought today yeah and I, and that's what people okay want. yeah okay i see what you're saying i'm just <laughs> you okay. know that's what people want so i think a lot of these webinars it's like oh yeah look at me in my mansion and my they corvette really don't, you're, <laughs> you're right they really don't care <laughs> this real? because if you were that guy craig we wouldn't be in business together no all i'm saying is i don't, I don't have a problem talking about myself a little bit it's just that's not going to be the focus of what we do Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of these webinars are, are like that. It's like yeah, my street they, cred this, right. my street cred that, like I've done this and that, and I'm a millionaire now. Buy my program. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Where, me, but they're selling them. They're selling their, their lifestyle. And I just, that's they're, not. They're trying to establish credibility. Yeah. But they're turning people off in the process. Yeah, or it's starting to. People are wising up and understanding. <laughs> oh, okay, I get this. Like everybody, yeah, we, can, like we can still talk about some of the you know high level. You know, I've I've been doing this for a high while. High levels these, fine. These high learned. levels, yeah. No, I think high level is fine. Just these stories of, you know what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think. You, <laughs> well, your question, Leslie Jean Ray, gets back to something. I think that people in the businesses that you work with, much like mine is an important question because you said to Craig and I, do we do this? Craig does that. I don't do it a lot. I do it a little bit. The reason is, as I said earlier, I don't want to become an expert in that because that's not what I do best. If I do that, I'm now the marketing person in my firm. I'd much rather engage someone like you that guides me through a process who helps me do that. And, and, and everybody's different. I know some speakers, for example, who are total DYI people. Like I'm saying, hey, I need an introduction to this. They'll go, well, just do it yourself. 
you know, all it would take you is about 20 or 30 hours to learn that. And to me, <laughs> that might be true, but I no. don't want to spend 20 or 30 hours doing that. But I think that's an important question. And I, I know that you have, you said consultant, but from what I know of you, Leslie Jean, you are very consultative, not just in your selling, but in the, in what you do with your clients. You're not, you're not delivering products for them. You're not just creating for them. You're you are helping them better understand themselves and to therefore better understand their business and their market so they can have a better opportunity to share their unique message and wisdom with the world. And that's what you do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of what we do. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of it too is, you know, when you're in the coaching and consulting space or in a thought leader space, you're, you go from, in most cases, working a career for 20 something years, probably in the C-suite level to being alone and not having that team of support and not, yeah. you know, in all cases, being able to delegate everything. And it now you're, you're excited and you're like, I really do need to get a handle on the workings of my own business. So you have to do a lot more initially, or at least understand the concepts. And when you're thrown into this space that's changing every single day, there's a massive amount of technology overwhelm that happens. And it sometimes it's just because we can't, and I get this too. And this is something I've had to train myself to psych myself out of it. You know, if I'm working on a project and I can't, let's say it's a website and I can't visualize what the code would be to stylize it a certain way or whatever, you know, I need to like, I have to simmer down <laughs> and talk myself off the ledge because I like to visualize, visualize how I'm going to complete things. I think a lot of people are like that. We'd like to visualize the process of getting it done. And that makes it, oh, I know exactly what to do. It gives us this level of security and comfort and a sense of power in that role and that we can get this accomplished. But when we don't know what's ahead of us and we don't know that technology, it seems very unknown and, and freaky and ambiguous. And can I do this? Do I have what it takes? Am I smart enough? So there's a lot of doubt that comes into play. So a lot of what I do is that supporting role of you can learn technology. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, let's go through this together. And I mean, it can be anything from, you know, how do I set up like a shared Dropbox to how do I, you know, how do I market on social media? What tools are out there? Because I mean, there's a million different tools to choose from. And unless mm -hmm. you've tried them, you know, which one do I use? What are the pros and cons? So having a guide that can say, hey, like this is where you're at. We're going to start here and then we'll migrate to this software later. You know, once we start seeing some revenue come in and just explaining the advantages and disadvantages of everything just to yeah. avoid that overwhelm. Yeah. And that's the thing I, I run into people all the time. They're like, you know, I I'm created a great product or whatever, but I'm just overwhelmed by this technology of trying to do the marketing and stuff. And so my other company, that's what we do is we support people launching their, their stuff and building out the funnels and so forth. But it, it really comes back to so many people just shut down and say, I can't learn that versus what Jeff is talking about where they are intentional about not learning that. And I think that's been something that Jeff has helped to open my eyes a lot to, I, I'm the one that tends to jump in and just say, Oh, I'll figure this out because I have an insatiable curiosity and I'm yep. just really interested in learning <laughs> things, but he's like, 
as CEO, you don't need to be doing those things. I'm like, crap, you're right. <laughs> it's a balancing act for sure. You want to know it, 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 and it's hard. It's almost like an addiction, like forever yeah. learner, <laughs> especially in the technology space. Cause you're like, Ooh, did they, did they improve on this feature? Like, yeah. Ooh, did they add that now? I want to see. <laughs> right. And I, I came from the tech side, so I'm a chief technology officer and so forth. And so you yep. know, the, the tech is normal for me. I'm used to digging in and saying, oh, this is a puzzle to solve, you know, and I love puzzles. So it's like, uh, let's, let's figure out how to do this. So Leslie Jean, I'm, I'm loving all this. And I, I want to touch on a topic that I think is important for people listening around this topic. And that is, I think it's easy for people, especially in small business to look at this in an isolated way. You know, I, I need a, like they're picking off, a, it's an a la carte menu. I need a website who will do my website. I need mm -hmm. some funnels who will do that. And I know that your business is very integrated. Yeah. You don't mm -hmm. offer everything, but you offer most of it, including that strategic, creative, consultative approach. Mm -hmm. Talk about the value of that to a business like you serve versus trying to do just go find the pieces here and there. So I think the value is, you know, you have someone that can put the pieces together with you and show you how to do that. So mm -hmm. even if you do migrate to having multiple vendors or a different format, you really need to understand the fundamentals of your brand as a starting point and the process of holding it together and, and collecting this information and understanding who you are. You know, I, I go to other experts when I need help. <laughs> I have multiple coaches. Cause it's, it's, you can't coach. I mean, you can try to coach yourself, <laughs> but it's not easy. And you need people to, to soundboard off of, you need advice. You know, it, it takes some drawing out of, of clients to get to the meat and potatoes and the heart and soul of their brand. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one component. Now, as far as, you know, website to graphics, like every creative team is different. So mm -hmm. If you don't have a good handoff package to every single vendor established, it's it's going to be inconsistent across the board. So when you talk about a handoff package, what does that look like? Yeah, so having a, a, a branding guidelines or a brand profile that you could hand off that has the core messaging, that has the colors, yeah. that has your, you know, how, how certain things should be styled and looked and continuous elements that should recur you know, whether it's in your social media posts or your website and across the board. Yeah. And I would agree with that. It, I, I see so few people that actually have that. So I've, I've worked with a variety of different organizations and, you know, hundreds of different companies and it's, it's only maybe 5% that actually have their brand style guide and, and the other mm -hmm. pieces that go into there. And so brand style guide is usually the easier part but then you get into the messaging. Are they clear about yeah. the message? Are they clear about who they are serving? And do they get down to the level of creating the persona and really understanding who that person is from the inside out? Exactly. And that the messaging guide is the, the trickiest or the, the <laughs> least, um, not the trickiest, but the, the least commonly right. seen one, you know? And when you're working with a social media team and you're blogging with a different team, it's yeah. like, okay, these, your content needs to connect your content. They right. need to be talking together, yep. you know, and then you've got this outside SEO company and they think it's all disjointed, but it all does play really well together. So it's yes. important to tie that, tie those, uh, those knots back. Um, 
Now, circling back to what you said about, um, and I just totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> I do that all the time. It's okay. We oh, can edit. goodness. <laughs> We're covering a lot today, guys. You're hitting me with yeah. all the hard questions. I told you the movie would be the easy part. <laughs> now I lost my question. Because you lost yours. Uh, Radio I, silence. It was. Um, oh, shoot. If, so the importance of tying, you know, having everything under one roof with a vendor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just that that continuity across the board, um, yeah. you know, and that way, you know, we we're not we're here to support clients and growth and yeah. at some point they do grow past us and that's cool and we did our that's job right really good point yeah <laughs> you know so we play well with others and we also you know we're not experts in everything right you know that's, and, it's really and important have to have those strong referral partners that you can send people to that you've yes. already validated and worked with um because there's a lot of people out there yeah and trust that don't deliver, unfortunately. And, um, so you know, it's scary. You don't want to refer a really good client to someone. I mean, that can ruin your reputation. If you send Absolutely. them to a vendor and set them up and they, they do a bad job. That's, you know, that's on you for referring them. Yeah. So, so many people that, that come to me, they're like, I've, I've tried this person and that person. And, you know, they started to do the work. I paid 50% up front and then, you know, they went silent and, you know, this happens over and over again. I hear this constantly. And it's like, Really, there's that much unintegrity out there. The website space, Shocking. I see that happen all the time. I always say yes. like my best referral partners are bad developers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get these calls. I can't get a hold of my website developer. It's been a month. Like my site is like I'm getting emails from Russia and I don't know what's happening and I just need to get this fixed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, goodness, you know or they stopped dead in the project. Like, I don't know where we're at. I don't know if they've finished anything. Like we've done a lot of recon for clients just from the consulting side where we didn't even work on the site. You know, we just helped them manage and liaison the relationship with yeah. their vendor even just to get their money's worth or to get the project finished. It's, it's just an interesting mm -hmm. space. Yeah. But th there's a question came up for me around websites and because websites, to me over the years, I mean, the process of developing websites has been simplified. People can do it so easy to do their own. Doesn't mean it's the right answer. But one thing that I'd like you to speak to, uh, Leslie Jean, is this. Someone told me this a long time ago and it made sense because of the data behind it is there's very few people on this planet that are, as, are good at design and the technical side of websites. They're very different brains. There's just like less than 5% of the population have both of those. Yet a lot of people in development say, no, I do both. And they're mm -hmm. not talking about they have someone to do it. Typically, like if someone says, no, I'll design it, but I have a team that does this side, that makes sense. But, you know, what would you tell someone who's coming to you saying, well, I talked to someone, they're going to do both for me. Do you say, yeah, rock on? Do you caution them? How do they look at that question? I mean, it just depends on the team, to be honest with you. So I, I mean, speaking from personal experience, I'm more on the front end side. Like I, I went to school for web development. I've worked in a bunch of different software languages and now I'm blessed to work in WordPress and not have to use a lot of coding anymore. Um, 
you know, and Shopify is great too, but having that code background definitely allows me to do more and extend the functionality of these systems to where I can make it really blow it out and make it look awesome. Um, You know, I've seen as part of my team, you know, I look for those, we call them unicorns. (laughs) <laughs> where they're the right and left brain, where they can design and they can code. And it's rare and it's really hard to find. But usually people are weighted one way or the other. You know, for me, it's definitely more on the creative side. Um, another team member of mine, he's he's more on the development side, but he's highly creative. He's a very talented designer. But I would say coding and like attention to detail is more of his strong suit. So it just depends on the team. Yes, it can be done. Um, but that's usually why teams work well is because right. everybody, every creative, like the space that we're in is a very creative space. And it's even in code, it's creative because you're creative problem solving with code to piece something together and make it respond in different environments. Yeah. Um, so depending on you know how your brain works, you're going to excel in one way or the other. I don't think anyone's really 50-50 there. So yeah. I guess I don't have a great answer to that question. It's just, it depends on the group. Well, um, I think you did because you said, think about the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you can look at examples, but I think unless you're skilled in that, those examples might not mean much to someone. And I would ask about the process, you know, where, I, where I've seen a lot of people get hung up and, you know, it's interesting when I call client or when I get client calls or prospects calling in asking for a site, you're like, I've been waiting on this website for six months. And I'm like, well, what's, you know, what's held it up? What's the holdup? And they're like, well, you know, I, there's always a piece of it where it's, oh, well, they were waiting on content from me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so did they work with you on content? So that's another thing I would, I would advise any, everybody to ask if you're, you know, embarking on having a website built for yourself, for your business, is ask how that development group manages content. You know, the way we do it, we have a content worksheet. We walk them through the different sections and we advise on the on the structure and how things from a marketing perspective and from an industry perspective lays that should lay out on a website. Mm-hmm. So that way they have some guidance and a framework and they can fill in the blanks and it's it's pretty straightforward. But if you just leave clients to their own devices and they've never written content for a website, right? It's a big ask. It and is a, a huge big, ask. You know, from a client perspective, may not even ask that question either. Like, who's going to write the content? And the other thing that's going to happen is they're going to start. I mean, 95% of the time, folks that I'm talking to like that, they're going to start with, oh, this is what we do, rather than this is how we transform your life. Mm -hmm. They focus on us rather than the client. Exactly. Or the, the, just the service titles and not the benefits. Right. (laughs) Right. So Leslie Jean, this has been awesome and I hope fun because I know it was fun for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. So I'm going to give you a chance to give before we get into the promotion and contact side, a chance to just fire one more shot over the bell on this question. Simple one. Uh, Give us the 30 second answer of the most important thing someone needs to think about when it comes to brand. I think it's the their legacy and what they what they hope to accomplish with it. Like, why are they doing the work they're doing? You know, and I know that's very cliche and trendy in the branding space right now is the why. Start with why and Simon Simic and Cynic and all that. But like, it's true. Like, why why are you in business? 
<laughs> Why do you care about this business so much? If it's just to make money, really reevaluate what you're doing because it's yeah. hard work. And to yeah. be successful, you really ha you have to do the time. It's it's not a game for the faint of heart. It's it's a game of persistence. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love so that. Make finish. sure it's something you love. <laughs> Well, I love that finish. And I remember the first time I went through what I think was the truest brand process, the most difficult, uncomfortable conversation was just that, where I would say they badgered me, frankly, with the why question <laughs> until I kept answering and answering. They said, well, yeah, but that's not really I, that. But what, why really, really, really to the point that I ended up in tears when I finally found the answer. Wow. Because when I found that answer, I mean, I literally had to take a breath and said the why and that's when i went oh i get it now because that's what this is about and the re yeah. and i i don't i kind of knew it but hadn't felt it and i needed to feel it yeah to make it that was authenticity because now i i have felt it and now we go from there and what was mm -hmm. it just out of curiosity how did that how did that play out uh the why answer i came to is that that's the, it's literally the reason i have breath in my soul and if I'm not doing this, I might as well not be alive. Wow. Are you talking about your speaking? Wow. Pardon? You're talking about your speaking? The speaking and coaching, yeah. yeah. That's, it's literally life and death. Yeah. And that I have breath in my soul to, to live this. And if I don't, I might as well not be here. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that, that's powerful. That was, um, <laughs> Now, how you turn that into a logo, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, you know, there, that's the journey. Yeah. No, thank you so much, Leslie Jean, for yes. enlightening me and Craig and, and all of our listeners. And I want to make sure they know how to reach out to you to tap into your wisdom and creativity. So anything in particular you want to promote for folks who are listening? Yeah. So we actually, we are doing an in-person event coming up on December 8th. All I'm right. so excited. I just miss people. Um, we're doing it <laughs> safely. So it's, it, it's going to probably sell out. Um, we don't have a lot of seats available, but it's December 8th. It's a full day brand building workshop where we're actually going to be building out the entire brand strategy for 2021 for this group of entrepreneurs. Nice. Um, and the takeaways are huge. We put together a Canva template. We were talking about that branding guide and branding profile. We've actually made a template for all of our clients that attend the event that they can utilize. So they walk away with an actual document they can share with their team um, and follow throughout the year. We all know it's fun to go to these workshops, but when you walk away and have to implement everything when you get back, <laughs> it probably won't happen. So it's going to be just a full day, 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. of implementation and brand building. Wow. Is there a special, is there a special link for that or is that something that you just Yes, so you can actually you? find it on Eventbrite. It's called the Brand Illumination Workshop. Okay, and okay. we'll put that in the and, show notes as well. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. And um, you can check out moonshinecreativegroup.com as well. And the brand is also listed on Facebook. And okay. what's the best the, way the for workshop. them to contact you directly? So yeah, they can reach me by email, Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y at moonshinecreativegroup.com. Awesome. So as you know, we always wrap up with a couple of our signature questions. And the first one is, <laughs> one of the, you, you picked a couple of my favorites. I love that. Why am I not surprised that you picked my two favorites? <laughs> Uh, the first one is you got an opportunity to have dinner with someone living. Who is it? And what's the one question you're going to ask? Them? All right. So I, for this one, I chose Maynard James Keenan. He is the lead singer of the band tool and a perfect circle. 
Um, I've been to a bunch of tool concerts. I've, you know, since I was a kid, I've loved these guys, but the reason I'd love to have dinner with them, he's like a really multifaceted create or multifaceted creative. He's got a vineyard in Arizona, hmm. Arizona. And I'm just thinking like this guy is so crazy talented. You know, when you see these superstars and you know, they have a perfume line or a, you know, clothing line. You're like, did they really put the blood, sweat and tears into that? Or are they just leveraging the brand to make more cash? And I, I saw this great documentary not too long ago um, called Blood into Wine. And it, it's about his vineyard and it's him like mm -hmm. digging in the dirt. Like he is just, the, he, he talks a little bit about his creative process as a musician, but more so it's all about his creative process as a winemaker oh. and why grapes are so important to him and the complexities and the DNA of grapes and the soil and the riverbeds and the lava rock. Like it's like intense. So just like he, he, he just inspires me like crazy. Um, but I think the question I would want to ask him is how the hell, like what's your creative process like for all of this stuff and how do you balance your time? You know, you're on tour, you're making wine and wine is like, an intensive process and it's seasonal too so you have to like really be present for that um so just picking his brain on how he he juggles everything <laughs> well that's a new one so i learned something new and, and love your energy and passion just sharing about him the second question is uh, one of my favorites again movies what's the movie that really speaks to you about leadership in some significant way <laughs> that's a good one so it's funny because that's probably the only like that that documentary is the only adult movie I've seen recently. Um, I have a four and a half year old daughter, so I watch a lot of Disney and Pixar films. <laughs> so Inside Out. Um, and it's oh, yeah. funny when when COVID hit, we we're like, we got to get out of the house. And we actually we'd already seen the movie, but we went to Funland here in uh, Tampa. It's a drive in movie theater, like in the middle of nowhere on Hillsborough <laughs> Ave. And we had the best family night and they were airing Inside Out. And I'd, I'd only kind of seen it a little bit at the house, you know, when you're half watching it and like trying to multitask. But it's, an, I mean, I was in tears. Like it's a really heavy movie. Yeah. And the the takeaway from that is, you know, and I don't, have you guys seen the movie? Have you oh, seen yeah. the movie? Multiple okay, times. so like the emotional intelligence, it's about this little girl, Riley, who, um, you know, the, the main characters are the emotions in our head, like joy and sadness and fear, anger and disgust. So those are the main characters and the whole concept of how your brain works. Like they had um, a train of thought that was like a literal train that was taking <laughs> them to different places. Um, so like, a, you know, I just I thought it was really neat because there's always a bigger narrative happening. You know, and we get so whatever we fixate on, you know, is is the emotion we assign to it in our reaction and that big right. narrative. So in leadership, it's really important for us to have that awareness, I would say, because, you know, if our team is reacting a certain way, like we need to understand they're fixating on a piece of the narrative or maybe they don't know the whole narrative of yeah. our culture. And it's important to communicate that so they can see the bigger picture and not get so fixated you know, see, and that's, that circles back to what we were talking about with the why, you know, your purpose in this, like you might just feel like you're working on this one small piece of a bigger picture, but what is that bigger picture and how does your small piece impact everything else? 
So that's that's why I liked Inside Out. It was so cool. It's a great movie. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a big fan of that movie as I'm all, as I am of many Pixar films. Yes. And yeah. I remember that movie because one of my best friends, David, called me when he had seen it with his kids. My kids are older. He said, Jeff, have you seen Inside Out? He said, no, you have to see it. And it's I said, so why? Funny. And he said, because it is you. They are talking. <laughs> Everything you've been talking to me about for five years is in this movie. Yeah. But in this kid's movie. And then he said, and he said, you got to call me or text me afterwards. Tell me how you liked it. And tell me if you figured out the hero. <laughs> and when i and it's all just, the movie no spoiler and, alert uh, and i saw i'm not going to say it but i i did figure it out pretty early actually when i saw who all the characters were i knew who it was going to be and <laughs> he said how'd you yeah. know so early i said because it's the one that was the least like yeah the one yeah. we resist the most is the hero so thank you, uh, Leslie Jean. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and creativity. And thanks for all you do in the world. Thank yes. you so much for having me, guys. This has been so much fun. Yes. If you like this podcast, you'll love the Cartavera Tribe. The Cartavera Tribe is a community of growth-committed leaders who want to connect, engage, and grow themselves, their people, and their businesses. Cartavera is a leadership development ecosystem with training, coaching, assessments, and events to challenge you and help you grow. And the Cartavera Tribe is a membership like none other. You'll get live access to Craig and Jeff where you can ask questions, as well as masterminds where you can get answers from other leaders who've already solved your greatest challenges. You'll have access to additional interviews and a variety of courses, tools, and resources to help you achieve your biggest goals. We have monthly game days where we have challenges and competitive games to help you grow your leadership capabilities. And you'll get a personal growth Sherpa who will guide you to help you reach your growth goals. To find out more, go to cartavera.com. That's C-A-R-D-I-V-E-R-A.com. See you on the inside. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.